All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday, November 9th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder and current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how you doing? Man, I am great. I'm looking forward to today's show. We got some stuff going on and we got the election behind us in the United States. So I think we can all clear our heads and just talk some hockey. What do you say? Yeah, I can't wait to see some regular Cialis ads again instead of the uh, the election ones that we've been seeing for the last six months. So that's great. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's talk about what was a really tough night on the injury front in the NHL. And we'll start with the Edmonton Oilers and their win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, a much needed and gutsy win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. But that really wasn't the focal point, Mike, when you consider that one of their stars in Evander Kane went down with a gruesome and what appears to be a significant injury, a skate cut suffered uh, by a pure accident with Pat Maroon gliding by, caught Evander Kane on the wrist. We won't show you the actual image uh, and video because it is pretty graphic. But when you see something like this play out and the the update on Kane is that the good news is that he's going to be okay. He released a statement on his Twitter account earlier on Wednesday. He underwent surgery at Tampa General Hospital uh, to repair the damage. And it's not quite clear yet what exactly that damage is, how significant it was and how long he will be out. You think back to Ilya Mikheyev and the skate cut that he had on his wrist that severed some tendons in addition to the artery. He missed approximately three months. I think the Oilers are holding out hope that he may not be out that long. But Mike, when you look at it and you see Evander Kane, who routinely plays with his wrists exposed, this kind of seems like one of those injuries, although a freak occurrence, may ultimately be a little bit preventable. Well, I don't think it's a freak occurrence. I don't think this is bad luck. Like This is something that the players 
can avoid. And you can't, the thing is you can't play in bubble wrap and be safe from everything, Frank. Like there will be exposed pieces of the body uh, on the ice, whether they're covered up with cloth or not. But take a look at Kane's wrists. And I noticed this last year being between the benches for a game in playoffs that, man, they're exposed. And at some point you're going to get dinged. Like I've known several players that have had similar injuries and really scary ones. Like I can't watch the replay, Frank. I can't do it because it makes me queasy. And I've had friends cut by these types of things. And I think it's, this is a lot like to me when Eric Carlson had his tendon sliced in 2013, there had been cut resistant socks available for four or five years prior to that, but players just wouldn't wear them. They just resisted. Uh, it's kind of like half shields. I'm not going to wear a half shield. Well, why not? Why not wear something cut resistant on your wrist to prevent that? These things exist. It's a comfort level for players. They're, they're willing to take that chance, Frank. But man, it just makes me nervous because it doesn't have to happen. I'm glad that he's going to be okay. I'm glad that there was such a good response from the medical staff there. But cutting your wrist is bad news, man. Like this is even, it's not the only place that's exposed on the body. I just, I wish that players would take more consideration for their own safety when it comes to skate blades. We're out there skating on knives. Yeah, quickly, do you have any indication as to why Kane might roll up his jersey sleeve like that? Is it purely a stylistic thing or is it more fit and feel? It's just a comfort thing. You know, I've known a lot of players that have done the exact same. They roll it up past their elbow pad because they like the, the free feeling of the cuff of the glove. And the um, thing is, you can adjust to anything, though, Frank. Like, you can change your habits. But until the players do that or until something's mandated, we're going to keep seeing these types of injuries. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't put these players in bubble wrap. I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, with my kid playing hockey, he's got the full, you know, cut-resistant pants and uh, long sleeve shirt the with neck, the cut resistant neck guard as well yep. that I just, I, I couldn't see right from the time he was four years old getting on the ice. It was like, let's get him used to it from the first time he plays yeah. so that he just thinks this is the normal way to dress and play because there are things ultimately that you can help prevent. NHL players can do whatever yep. they want to a certain extent, of course. But in this case, uh, let's hope for a speedy recovery for Evander Kane and some prevented injuries moving forward. Speaking of injury, uh, Potentially interesting one for the Calgary Flames as they drop yet another game, this time at the hands of the New Jersey Devils as their skid hits six games. They fall three to two, and you think Jonathan Huberto missing the game, it was really interesting. The Flames called it an upper body injury, and yet he was spotted by a media member as he left the rink in New Jersey wearing a walking boot. So I did check mm -hmm. in on it, and I'm told that uh, Uberto did have an upper body injury and that is ultimately what kept him out. But I wonder if he might end up being out a little bit longer term, um, you know, at least in terms of a week or so, uh, or potentially more with that walking boot injury that you did see him leaving the arena with. My question to you, Mike, as the Flames lose six straight in a year with significant offseason change and they started off quite well, what's your level of concern for the Calgary Flames and their play right now? Uh, I have concern because I'm not sure right now that this team's responding the right way to Daryl Sutter, and I don't know if it's going to get worse. And that's what I'd be concerned with because that's happened previously when Sutter's been a head coach. Once he loses a team, man, it goes south in a hurry. Uh, I, I think really just in general with Calgary, they've just been too mid. Like everything's been okay for this club. Goaltending's been okay. Special teams, okay. Defensively, all right. But the scoring is way down for the team. And they haven't found their stride. Huberto's got six points in 11 games. And you look at two core players from last year, Mangiapane and Dubé, where are they? Mangiapane had 
Mangiapane hasn't scored in nine games. He had 35 tucks last year. Dylan Dubé, 35 points. He hasn't had a point in seven games. So whether chemistry is off or not, this team isn't clicking offensively. Uh, and then you've got Sutter taking shots at the players. You know, I mean, he's made comments towards Huberto and Lucic and Backlund. Let's face it, Frank, when it comes to the Flames, there's just been too many nights where Nazem Kadri is the only noticeable player on the ice for that club. And they've worked hard at times, but right now they're way out of sync. Yeah, they certainly seem out of sync. And we'll touch on their goaltending in a minute with Jacob Markstrom. They certainly haven't gotten the goaltending either. He's sub 900 save percentage on the season. But who else are you looking towards? You know, you know the other thing I think about with Calgary, Mike, is they're playing guys in their lineup right now that mm. are 8th and 10th on their depth chart in terms of defensemen when you look at some of the guys further yeah. down the list. This team was incredibly healthy on their back end last year, and they lost a guy like Eric Goodbranson in the offseason to Columbus that it feels like they're not quite as strong on the back end, partially right now just due to injury. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they're missing Shillington for sure. Um, you know, Stone's out now. That didn't help. Stone's had a great first start to the year. Uh, but, but are we really going to lay the blame for the Flames on Connor Mackey as a defenseman because he hasn't taken a stride to be a seventh or sixth? Like... I think at this point, you just got to look at your depth and say, this is what we have. We got to make it work and we got to stick to our system. Yeah, certainly did not see this coming in terms of a depth perspective, because looking at that team on paper heading into the season, I was saying this is one of the deepest teams in the league, not just at forward, but also at defense as well. We were talking maybe Calgary has too many defensemen and here they are only a month into the season and already struggling quite a bit. They need to turn it around. And speaking of players or, or goaltenders that need to turn around. Let's take a look at four goalies that are off to a bit of a rocky start this season. Three of them were Vezina Trophy finalists last season, and one of them is one of the best goalies in the league for each of the last number of years in uh, Andre Vasilevsky. So when you take a look at these four guys, uh, you can throw Gibson in there as well. But Vasilevsky, Markstrom, Saros, and Shesterkin you might look at the numbers there and say, oh, well, Vasilevsky, he's not struggling. He is a 9-10, but four of his last five games have been sub-900. Uh, Saros has struggled mightily this season, and even Shesterkin has had his moments despite a good record. Of these four or five goalies that are on the list, do you have any level of concern for any of them that they won't be able to turn it around? Saros is the one that I'm really targeting here. I mean, Vasilevsky's fine. I know he's allowing three or more a game, but the advanced numbers are good for him. Shesterkin's allowed four in his last two games, but for the rest of the year, it's been pretty strong. I got a little bit of concern with Markstrom. I think he's going to be okay if that team improves in Calgary. But Saros right now, you look at what he's done five on five, Frank, and it's nowhere near what he's done previously in his career. Now, that's a product of his surroundings. I think Nashville's been terrible in the home plate area. I don't think their forwards, especially the centermen, have worked hard enough to get back to position and, and hit their assignments in the slot area. And it's burying Saros and the Predators right now. Because look at his career stats five on five. You're looking at an 890 save percentage for Saros on this season. And then look at the rest of his career, a 925 career five on five. Like this guy's been lights out. He's been just as good on the penalty kill this year. So I, with him, more than anything, I just think that this club isn't protecting the middle in the same way. And now you're seeing Saros playing okay instead of out of his mind. And okay goaltending isn't going to get the Nashville Predators where they need to be. So um, it's on both here, but I think that, that the way that the Predators have played around, around Soros really makes me nervous for the rest of this season. 
So does it speak to the Nashville Predators' over-reliance on Soros? Like, if you look at their success getting into the playoffs last year, yes, it might have been the seasons that they got from Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg and, to a certain extent, Ryan Johansson, but maybe it was really all on the back of UC Soros. It's been a lot of it, especially the two-thirds. The first two-thirds of last year, to me, uh, was still on Soros's back, along with Yossi and the names that you just mentioned. Um, but towards the, the end of last year, you started to see Soros look very human. And I think that's what's kind of continued into this season is that team is just, uh, like I say, they haven't been able to protect that middle area of the ice nearly as well as other clubs. Yeah, let's talk about just a surprising development off the ice for the Ottawa Senators. There's been so much focus in the last few days on Ryan Reynolds, who appeared uh, at Canadian Tire Center on uh, Tuesday night for their game and was spotted in the crowd and received a nice ovation. And Perfect uh, setup for him to continue to play up his interest in potential ownership stake with the Sens. But the idea that the Sens announced that Chris Neal will have his number retired, number 25. And when you take a look at his career, just a fantastic, um, you know, consistent presence for the Ottawa Senators in their lineup. 1,026 games, excuse me, all played with the Sens franchise. Their all-time leader in penalty minutes, a heart and soul guy. But I think this is an interesting decision, Mike, in that if you look at all of the numbers that have been retired throughout the league and taken out of circulation for a given franchise, I can't really think of a player who has a case quite like Chris Neal, where he was more or less what you'd call a role player, not a superstar. What do you think of the decision to retire number 25? Is it fitting or is this a stretch? I think it's a great decision by the Sens if they're going to keep retiring numbers because this is a player who was a lifer in Ottawa and meant a lot to that community on and off the ice. You know, he did a lot of work with the Roger Nielsen House, which is a pediatric care facility in the Ottawa area. But he spent over a thousand games in a Senator's jersey. And you look at the history of that team who they've retired numbers from, Daniel Alfredson, Chris Phillips as well, um, both for the most part lifers. We'll, we'll toss Alfredson's year in Detroit aside. Um, and I think that for Neil, it's just a celebration of a player who was exactly what it meant to be an Ottawa Senator. Now, I'm not a huge fan of retiring numbers at all across the board because at some point we're gonna run out of numbers, but that's just way the world we live in. And I'll tell you this about Chris Neal. Frank, this guy was the single most vicious sewer ball player, two-touch player I've ever faced. I remember going there in training camp and he'd just crush guys. Like the competitive level of Chris Neal was terrifying. And if there was anybody that was going to get your attention in the room, it was him. He was the exact type of player that kept everything in that locker room moving in the right direction because everybody was so scared of the guy in the first place. And you knew you might have a soccer ball flying at your head the next morning. Okay, that's great. So let's retire his number 25 for his play as a two-touch player. Like if he wants to go in the NHL two-touch Hall of Fame, that's great. We can do Come that. Come on, I just Frank. think it's a reach. Uh, not, not to be sour, and I'm certainly not going to denigrate Chris Neal, but th this is the ultimate honor for a franchise is to yeah. retire your number and to take it out of circulation. I'm sorry. It's not the hall of good players in this case for the Ottawa Senators. This is the upper, upper echelon, the upper crust that's only reserved for a select should be five or six over the entire life of your franchise. And I'm sorry, Chris Neal as a player just doesn't fit the bill just because you showed up every day. Well, maybe for your definition of it, Frank, here, but I've been boots on the ground in Ottawa twice. I was with that organization twice. And what that guy meant to that team and to that city, I think it's fitting, man. And I think it's a little bit different dynamic than just looking at what he's done on the ice for a club. I think it's the whole fit and who, what he meant to that entire 
not entire city, not just the organization. That, I'm not questioning what he meant to the city or the team or the work that he did in the community. All those things are fantastic, but that's not what this honor is for. It's not the good guy award or the guy that showed up all the time for 1,026 games. It's for the very best, the most elite players in a franchise's history. And I'm sorry, Chris Neal doesn't fit the bill. It's a reach. Let's, uh, let's I get think he's to one of the most elite within what they've had. Let's get to the next one. <laughs> well, that, uh, that, that's fine. He may be, that just speaks more to the Sens and, and some of the issues that they've had, I guess, over the last uh, 10 plus years as they've tried to regain their footing in the NHL. Let's get to the next wave with Steven Ellis. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live, Stephen Ellis, our prospect analyst for this edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. So, Stephen, we've kept a close eye on the Calder Trophy watch through the first month of this season. And Matty Beneers, in a wide-open race to start, has sort of set himself up as the number one uh, frontrunner at the moment. But who do you think is right behind Beneers in line for the Calder? Right now, I'm a big fan of what Logan Thompson's doing in Vegas. He's got a 7-2-0 record. He's got two shutouts, a fantastic save percentage. And if you kind of adjust for guys that have played six or more games, he's got some of the best advanced stats that we've seen so far this year. So for a guy that's playing for a team that everyone kind of wrote off because of their goaltending, I think it's an awesome story to see what Thompson's doing. He was playing in, in the U Sports with Brock University a couple years ago, and now he's an NHL starting goalie. And uh, he, we saw him play a pretty good game last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's doing everything right for a team that needed someone to step up. And ever since he showed up at the end of last year, he's been fantastic. All right, so if these guys are at the top of your list, how about some that you had listed, aside from Beneers, Thompson, that are maybe rising and you think by the end of the season they could be in the mix? For sure to keep an eye on is uh, Matias uh, Michelli out of Arizona. He's actually tied uh, with Beniers, I believe, in points. So this is a guy that's, uh, I don't know if anyone really expected him to be this big offensive contributor. He's got only six shots this year, so he's not shooting a lot, but he's going out there. He's playing uh, a good passing game. He's playing a really two, good two-way game. Uh, we saw him play uh, through the finish ranks and junior ranks as a guy that, you know, had some skill, maybe wasn't going to score a lot, but he, he'd make everyone around him better. And for a team that kind of desperately needs goals, 
he's been fantastic. So uh, I don't think I expected him to be anywhere near the scoring race right now for rookies, but he's doing kind of everything on a team that, again, that could use as much help as possible. So I got to admit, full disclosure, even as a hockey insider, I had no idea who Matias Michelli was heading into the season and watching some of the first Coyotes games. I was like, who is this guy? Can someone that's averaged a half shot per game actually be in the Calder race when it's all said and done? He's going to have to start shooting the puck. Um, but, you know, the, the, the numbers aren't lying. He's, he's putting up points. Yeah, that's a good point. I uh, want to talk to you about the 2024 draft class. And I think we're so focused on 2023. I can only, you know, compartmentalize, Stephen, what's sort of right in front of me and thinking about how teams have been jockeying to get into this draft class. But it seems like the 2024 draft class is already really starting to gain some buzz and traction to the point where maybe ultimately with trades to come at the deadline, we might see teams be just as happy getting into the 2024 draft. Is that fair? I'd say for sure. The 2023 draft's got a lot of high-end talent with Bedard, Fantilli, Michkov, and everyone there. But with 2024, we're getting to see them at the U-17 World Challenge. And the, the, the one guy I really want to focus on here is Cole Eiserman uh, with the United States. And this is a guy that I think everyone's kind of pegged to be either the first or second pick. Um, Aaron Kiviaru from Finland's might be the best uh, prospect right now for that draft, a defenseman. But Cole Eiserman, he's only, I believe, now three goals behind Alex Ovechkin for the U-17 World Challenge uh, scoring record. And, you know, it's not the biggest tournament in the world, but that's Alex Ovechkin. That's a pretty good, big name to be chasing there. And he's been uh, incredible with his line mate, James Higgins, who's actually a 25 pick. And this, he's, he could set the record for most points ever at this tournament, the way he's looking. And uh, the Americans are off to a perfect start. Um, and those two in general are kind of the ones that are really just full, like really above the, everyone there. Um, they kind of look a lot like what we saw Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield, what they were able to do with the U.S. National Development Team. But Cole Eiserman right now might be one of the most fun prospects I've seen in a long time. He just can shoot from anywhere. He's creative, uh, and he's going to be a star in the NHL uh, pretty quickly, I think. Steven, you've had a ton of uh, content on dailyfaceoff.com wrapping up the U-17s each night. Uh, who else has stood out to you and really captured your attention? Well, uh, Michael Misa, uh, we've talked about him on the show before too, but uh, he's kind of had to do a lot of the heavy lifting for his team. I think that he's been um, someone where Canada's got three teams, so it's not the best Canadians altogether. But Misa, I, I, I was a little not totally sure about him when he was given exceptional status, uh, mostly because he had an, a very solid regular season in the GTHL, but he didn't really explode until the OHL Cup, which is when it matters the most. But uh, I think with with how Mises playing right now, I don't have the number of points uh, on top of my head, but every game he's doing something there. And uh, another guy he's playing with, Porter Tone, a 2024 prospect. I think is really putting himself on the map there. Uh, Berkeley Cadden, another 2024 player that uh, is going to be, uh, he's been highly regarded for a few years. So, uh, you know, Canada's, I don't think any of the Canadian teams are going to win this tournament, but they're spread out all their talent among all these teams and they're looking really good. So uh, I'd say those are the kind of the guys I'm looking at outside of the United States. 
Fantastic stuff. I can venture to guess that I don't. I'm going to say no one in hockey media watches more hockey than Stephen Ellis. That's why he's our guy, keeping an eye on all of it. 2024, 2025, whatever that draft class is, he's all over it. This has been the next wave delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo code there at the bottom of your screen. Game day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thanks so much. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. We do have a hearing upcoming for Montreal Canadiens rookie and number one overall pick, Yorai Slavkovsky, for his boarding incident uh, against Matt Luff from the Detroit Red Wings. We talked about Evander Kane and his injury off the top, but pretty significant injury that Matt Luff is dealing with. Actually, a host of varying injuries will eventually need to undergo surgery, awaiting more information from the Detroit Red Wings, but wanted to turn your attention to another hit that received some scrutiny, uh, and that was Kirill Kaprizov receives a match penalty for this play against Drew Doughty. You see Doughty at the very end of it as Kaprizov is leaving the ice, waving goodbye to Kaprizov. And in this case, he gets five minutes, which comes with the automatic match penalty. But was this the right call in this case? And do you think Kaprizov is deserving of a suspension? Well, I think in this play, it was the right call because he's definitely trying to put his stick up on Dowdy. And, and I know it looks like his glove hits him, but let's face it, like this is a cross check. Now, I don't think it's a suspendable offense, though, because to me, Kaprizov is pushing down with his stick. He's not aiming directly at Dowdy's face. And it almost looks like he kind of lets up at the very last millisecond here, Frank. So was it completely heinous? No. Was it a great play? No, it wasn't that either because you can see Dowdy waving. Dowdy won this battle because he got Kaprizov off the ice. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a fine come out of this. Do you, do you agree with that, Frank? No, I don't at all. I don't think this was a, the correct call. The officials have the really? opportunity as a major to review this. And... What you're not seeing in this clip is the four cross-checks that Kaprizov gave to this point. And yes, the onus is on Kaprizov to maintain his composure and not act like this. But I think Ray Ferraro was all over this on the call immediately as it happened that the first thing that hits Drew Doughty is Kaprizov's glove. And the stick just comes through as a follow-through. So I think he was actually trying to get him with the glove. It didn't. It wasn't executed perfectly. And yes, he did lose his cool. Yeah. But to me... If you're watching this very closely and you're the officials, they should have reviewed this as a major and it should have been rescinded down to a double minor or something like that because I, you know, I don't think it's even close to being yeah. suspendable. If you want to review it, that's fine. I don't think it's suspendable either. Uh, I just think that this is still meant to be a cross check. Even with the hand being forward, when you have two hands on your stick, that's to me kind of your intention. But we're also talking about intentions here. And the only person that knows that is Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, that's true. And just a reminder for everyone watching that there was a rule change this year in that when officials review it, it's not mm -hmm. all or nothing anymore. It's not major or wiped off the board. It can be taken down a notch to a different penalty, that power given to the officials for the first time this season. Let's get to our daily face-off daily bet segment with Tyler Uremchuk. Tyler, a big bounce back night for the big guy. 
I was nervous. I was nervous this was going to be a really bad losing streak, but we went 4-1 and one yesterday. The only thing we missed on was the Ottawa Senators' money line. Went a perfect 3-3 three for three on the shot props, though. I'm loving them on points by Canada, so that's right where I'm going tonight. Heading into that Florida Carolina game, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And at first, I was maybe, I was on the fence about this one. Both these teams are great at preventing shots at five on five, but they're also both great at pushing the pace and getting shots at five on five. So ultimately, I think this is an okay game to take a look at for some shot props. And there are two that I think just aren't priced right. Starting with Martin Natchez of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, his line, as you can see here, it's set at two and a half with the overpaying minus 125. I nailed this bet on Friday. I'm going right back to it. Natchez has hit this in five in a row and eight of his 12 games so far this season. And the other one I like is Gustav Forsling. You can see it up at the top of the screen here. This one's paying minus 130. So again, neither of these are plus money, but I think they're both great spots. Forsling's hit this in six in a row. He's hit this in 10 of 13 games so far this season. So I love these two spots. Two guys who have been hitting this really, really consistently. And I think they're both great options uh, for tonight's NHL slate, Frank. Yeah, it's interesting. The Carolina Hurricanes, quite literally on brand, flying into a hurricane in Florida. It's going to be interesting to see whether they can get out tonight. That storm is intensifying or had intensified and is ravaging Florida at this moment. So they may not make it home to face the Edmonton Oilers in a back-to-back -back scenario on Thursday. So the schedule in a little bit of limbo as well, but the Canes did fly into the storm on uh, Tuesday and did make it into Florida. So the game is expected to be played. We'll see how that plays out. Thanks to Tyler for our daily face-off points bet, daily bet segment. That brings us to Mike McKenna and garbage time. Mike, what's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the National Hockey League? Oh, I loved it last night when a car was won in Madison Square Garden. Rangers fan steps up, wins a Hyundai, and it's a shot from center ice. Frank, I got to tell you that I was really lucky as a kid to be able to go to just about every Blues home game because my dad and grandpa were off-ice officials, and they weren't paid. They were given tickets, so we got to go. And I remember one year that I think two people won almost in, like, back-to-back -back nights that they won these Chevy Tahoes. They were beautiful. One of them was, like, forest green, and the other was this bright blue, very – mid 90s colors but it got to the point that people were still in their seats waiting to see what would happen for the center ice shot because we'd had the precedent it had gone in well look at the joy on this dude's face man like this is pure elation and you've never heard a half full building be louder than when one of these shots goes in i've seen it in person i love it as a as a you know between the periods thing it's just a lot of fun and and basically, if they ever give a car away, I, I feel good about it because every once in a while, you got to let the insurance pay out. Right, Frank? I also cannot express to you how hard this is to do. That slot that the puck goes in, quite there's like literally no margin for error. There is maybe a half an inch on either side. So not yeah, only does the shot need nuts. to be dead nuts perfect, but on top of that, the ice after a period in the NHL is absolutely ridiculously bad. And I don't care how many times they skate around with the shovels. It's hard for someone, even if you played pro hockey, to hit that target, let alone some schmo off the street. So I, I love this, that it went in, that he gets the car. It's incredibly hard to do, way harder than it even looks. Yep, for sure. Best one of all time, three in a row for the University of Michigan. Mike Legg, Marty Turco, I can't remember the third person. Might have been Brendan Morrison. They went back and they dumped three of these straight from like the far hash marks. But this, when a fan does it, that's incredible. How many would it take you to get one in? 
Uh, one, no doubt about it. First shot. <laughs> Love it. The, uh, the, Mike, the Mike Smith of uh, goalie puck handlers. Uh, that's great, Mike. Thanks a lot. Uh, what, a, what an edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We covered a lot of ground and also fun to disagree, agree to disagree uh, by the two of us. So uh, that'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks to Stephen Ellis, Mike McKenna, Tyler Remchuk, as well as our head of production, Alex Allard. We'll be back right with you 12 noon Eastern on Thursday. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games and have a great day, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.